If you've listened to our podcast before, you know that we are good friends with the Money Vikings, and we think that they have a lot of good knowledge and, uh, I mean, just a wealth of knowledge to offer. Uh, About 60 years worth of knowledge and trading experience between the three, between Greg, Bob, and Jerry. Now, I have some good news for you, because they have announced a premium program. It's the Money Vikings MVP premium content, okay? And I have to tell you this right now. If you're you're new to the market, you have got to have somebody to mentor you through it. Because 75% of all new market entrants will lose all of their money in the first year. And you have to have somebody that will guide you through it to to prevent you from making these mistakes that most people do. And with this MVP access, this premium content, you will get direct access to Greg, Bob, and Jerry on Discord. That's the most important feature of this program, in my opinion. They do also have access, well, they will give you access to other things such as hot trades, weekly newsletters, technical analysis. Hey, it's ad free. That's cool too, right? Guides and tutorials, tools and custom technical indicators, exclusive analytics and informative articles, and then, as I said, exclusive direct access to Greg, Jerry, and Bob, who have over 60 years of experience between them. Now, if you listen to this podcast, you need to get a pencil and you need to get a paper and you need to write this down because you get 25% off. Once you go to moneyvikings.com and you sign up, you'll you'll get to enter in this code. It's capital T M V P 1 C-K-1-N-S. That is all capital. T-M-V-P-1-C-K-1-N-S. An easy way to remember that is T-M-V Pickens, but the one replaces the I. So go to moneyvikings.com, claim your discount for being a Chinchilla Picking Podcast listener, and conquer your financial freedom. Welcome everybody to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is September 27th, 2021. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, uplifting, because we want everyone to make money. Isn't that right? I'm here with Brandon Beaver. My name is David Underwood. Brandon, how's your day going? Great. How about yours? My voice is not the best today. I'll tell you what, it is not. Uh, rough, rough day. Kind of tired worn out mine's uh, not either but i think it's seasonal i think it's allergies i think it's just in the weather type yeah thing. you know if you live in ohio then allergies are just terrible here always the weather changes daily so yeah you know swarm of locusts one day and 100 degrees and then down to you know 30 40 so oh man the cicadas that was this year wasn't it <laughs> yeah it has, it has been a long year i feel uh, like i feel like this year has 
stretched on forever, but I've, I've accomplished a lot. Stayed yeah. busy. I've not accomplished my weight goals. I feel like Bridget Jones. And then the year, same place I started. But we'll get there one day. One day, guys. I'm getting there. Anywho, you guys aren't here. My goal, my, my, goal, my goal is to be fatter and happier. And your, your whole situation with this December marathon that I'm having to run is getting in my way, Dave. It's, like a, five, it's a 5K, dude. You can walk it, okay? It's a okay. 5K. You can walk it. Well, I guess instead of having right. a triple bypass when I'm 60, it'll be a double. There you go. I just saved you. Saved you one. Um. <laughs> saved me one bypass. <laughs> Rob, anything I could do, Brandon. Anything I could do. All right, guys. You guys aren't here to talk. Uh, hear us talk about bypasses. You're actually here to have us talk about stocks and investments and uh, how to grow your money. What's going on in the market? Rules are Brandon and I get together before the show. We talk. We don't really talk. We just tell the other person what we're going to talk about, and then uh, we see the live discussion for the show today. So I'm going to start first because I have a large topic to cover. Well, at least a lot of information. I don't know if it's going to take that long per se, but I do have a lot of information I want to throw out at you there, Brandon. I want to start off. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the VR and AR world a little bit and not in the yes I'm going to touch on the same things I've touched on before but I'm also going to have a different twist and different take and different look at some of these things and it's mainly due to some of the, how what some of these bigger companies are doing right so let me throw out a few few bits of information to you Brandon before I, I get you and invite you in to have this discussion here as of right now, the global VR market is set to triple in the next seven years, according to CNBC. Facebook is definitely now the front runner, uh, front runner of the consumer end with the Oculus 2 Quest headset. This is definitely a growing number of games for the Quest, right? That, that's mm-hmm. growing substantially. People are really throwing games in, apps. There's So if you, if you have a Quest, they have like a section for... You could download games, you could download apps, you could download experiences, you could download you know, different things for what you want to do with the Quest. There are apps that actually help if you have a, a small business, but you guys are spread out all over the United States. They have apps to help you actually work in this VR world remotely. So it... There, there's a lot more to it than just playing games, but playing games is what I do with it, and I enjoy it. But, you know, there's other apps out there as well, right? So you also, let me uh, keep going here for a minute. Um, you have Sony. Sony had the PlayStation VR, and it was actually the number one selling uh, VR system for a while, even though it wasn't even the most powerful or even the best. It was just low price. And it was easy to work with your PlayStation if you already had one. So that's what made it the highest selling. Everybody who bought one, and when it first came out, admitted that the Oculus Rift, which was the original Oculus, and the HTC Vive was much better by leaps and bounds. But they said, this hooks into my PlayStation, so it's kind of easy for me. So that was the reason why it was the number one selling up until 2020, and that's where Oculus just took over and has not looked back. Like they took over and ran with this thing. They they took like a, if you're watching a horse race, they took the lead and they're a whole lap ahead of everybody else now at this point. 
So then you have you go into Microsoft, right? Microsoft doesn't have a consumer business as far as, far as VR. But let me talk about their non-consumer business, right? Their non-consumer business, business of business, just one aspect of it. They inked a deal earlier this year with the United States Army that can be worth up to $21.9 billion in order for the Microsoft to supply the Army with the hollow fit lens headsets that the military is going to use for VR. Is that part of the Jedi program? I believe it's a, it's a part of it, yes. You know, and so Microsoft does have a VR division. It is very substantial, but it's not consumer. It's it's all business to business, industrial, looking for that aspect of it. You know, they, they, they expect doctors to be using this, militaries to be using this. You know, you're going to fight battles with drones and, and robots, and the military guy is going to have to throw on his VR headset and, and, and go at it, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where Microsoft is leading the approach here. You have Google that had the Google Lens for a while, for every year. Was that 2013, 2011, somewhere around there it came out? You can put that on, have the augmented reality state. You can see Google Maps upload as you're looking around at different things, see street view and see all this stuff through your glasses. And so a lot of the FANG stocks, every single one of the FANG stocks is involved some way, shape, or form with VR and AR in a huge way, billions of dollars, minus one. There's one notable name that has not made headlines for a big billion-dollar deal or does have a big, huge consumer VR or AR. And Brandon, which which one haven't I mentioned yet? Actually, I don't know. It, it, it would be Apple. Good point. Apple. <laughs> Why it didn't come to my mind? <laughs> yes, Apple is is is. I wouldn't say non-existent because they they do have an AR. VR division, but they just they're, they they don't have any products out there. They're not inking deals. They're not involved in any of these other areas that this this growing market is is in. You know, and Apple has the cash to get into it, but they're just not using it for this purpose. Not what yet. Do you, think, do, you, do you think the VR world has a big future, like the this article that came out today was saying? Yes, in fact, actually, being a shareholder of SK Telecom, Korea's largest uh, telecom company, I just watched an investor video on it. In fact, um, and they're they're staking, they're putting a lot of money into this, um, talking about how five G is going to fuel the uh, fuel the growth of this, and that uh, you know you're going to be able to put these VR headsets on, you're going to be able to transport yourself from one place on the globe to another place, maybe in you know Paris or something like that, from all from your home. It's a it's yeah, a I mean, pretty yeah, big deal. That's 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 one aspect of this. I mean, right now you have Google Earth VR, which I have that app. You could download it on your VR, and you do everything that Google Earth does, except you see it in VR. So when mm-hmm. you do Street View, you. you you look like you're on the street, moving right ahead. Um, but I mean, it, South Korea is also ahead of the the game with the metaverse. You know, they they have the metaverse and they are having plots of lands. Right. There are there is a metaverse where you can actually uh, buy plots of lands, and it was the Mana. I have the actual email I got about this from the Brownstone Group was really pushing this and promoting this as a the best way in cryptocurrency. They were talking about how you should uh, invest in mana because it's going to be used 
in the metaverse to buy virtual land, the mana crypto. What, you pause. You look like you had something to say. I feel like say it's it, just say it, it, just it's say another. Bu- it's the next bubble. <laughs> that, that doesn't mean that it won't be useful in the future, and that it won't be useful when it happens. I'm just saying, if it's possible that people pile into it, I don't know. I don't know. I'm speculating. Right, so, so, I'm speculating, and you know what? The cost of credibility outweighs uh, outweighs doing such a thing. We so, haven't gotten to it. I'm, so. I'm going to interrupt you here, and I'm going to I'm going to mention a couple of things. So back in 2000, and I believe it was nine, I would take my computer to work while I was where I was working a night job, and I would plug my computer in, and I would mine, and I hook it up to other computers there, and I would use them all to mine Bitcoin. And everybody thought I was weird, right? And over the course of time, I managed to get about three bitcoins, and I ended up selling them. Uh, recently, but I managed to build up some. Well, that's good. At, at least you didn't buy a pizza with it, right? I mean, but I look at this thing as like you know you're 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 kind of laughing and joking about it, and other people are probably laughing and joking about it. I actually, when I read that, Brandon, I started looking into switching how to get my money into Mana and how to go buy some some land because I want to invest in it. I don't know anything about it, so I'm speaking purely from ignorance right now. So, Well, see, and here's my thing. I think these metaverses that these places are, are that people, uh, these companies are building are going to be a thing. And if yeah. you're going to want the, like, I, I want a Fifth and Broadway plot of land, you know? Yeah. And I, I want, you know, Park Place, you know, I, I want the, the big name. You know, give me give me my my profit here, man. You know, I want to build a, a big uh, virtual structure that can host the, the different events, and then I want to sell that off to somebody who doesn't want to do all the work that I put in. And then you're going to pay a hundred dollars in monopoly money, or you're going to go straight to jail. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. And, and but the the thing I like, Brandon, is that the more people like you right now that are saying that. You know, the more I believe that, you know, this probably is going to be a good thing and work out. Because yeah, that, well, in my life, that's, that's just what's happened 90% of the time. When 99% of people are saying, oh, you're an idiot, that's stupid. You know, I, it's it's paid out for me. Yeah, and then it comes, but you know what? I did it with the iPad back before the iPad came. I was like, why do I need an iPad? I have an iPhone. And then Apple showed me the iPad and I saw it in person. I was like, I need an iPad now. You know what you need to do? You need to come over to my house. And uh, I need I, to put you in the suit and and put the, the VR headset on and have you place against other people live. I still remember when um, Elon Musk and his his uh, group of people created PayPal and people were saying, why on earth would you ever put your credit card information on the Internet? How stupid is that? And now we're in 2021 and everybody's buying everything off of Amazon and Target.com yeah. and Overstock and... So yeah, I, mean, I don't that, doubt that it. Great crew that went off to go start all these other companies and do all these other great things. Yeah. You know that PayPal. Um, I forget if there's a name for them, but anyways, let me, let me go more. Let me give you some more stats on VR because I got more. Okay, oh, no, there's more. Well, there's you know, more. it's driven by five G, and I was just you know, I there's no I real. I'm driven by five G because here, let, let me. You have to. You have to have it. Here. Listen, to what I got here. Okay. 
All right, so my concerns with the whole metaverse thing is that Facebook's Mike uh, Schreffer, he stepped down recently, and Andrew Bosworth took over as the uh, CTO, you know, technical officer. I hate that guy. I'm just kidding. I don't know who right. it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I see this as Facebook's trying to really own these parts and not have the separate Oculus entity. They want to be all Facebook, mm-hmm. and that's why they're, they're making these moves which I think is a bad move for Facebook. They really want to keep Oculus separate. In fact, I'll be a favor of them splitting the company off personally and running it completely different and just work together. Um, but also on 9, uh, 9-9, September 9th, they, they launched the Ray-Ban... Oh, man, what is this called? I, I can't even read my own handwriting. It's these Ray-Ban lenses that are smart glasses, right? They allow the wearer to listen to music, take calls, capture photos... Um, take short videos, and it's at a price point of only three hundred bucks. And they can all be linked up to the your your hotspot on your phone or Wi-Fi, and instantly downloaded to mm-hmm. online. There's so many private privacy policies I see wrong with this. So many ways this this could go wrong. And, and people could just wear glasses. You tap it. You take a video of whatever you're looking at, and then all of a sudden, you know, that's uploaded to the internet. I see a lot of a lot of bad uses for 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 that. You know, I see a lot of good uses for that. You know, there's a lot of uses for something like that, but you got to really you got to really think about those things. I mean, what how many what can you do with something like that? But that just came out. They got released to the market finally. 3 $300 price point. When Google Lens first came out, what was it like $2,000? Mhm. We've come a long way, man. We now have. it's just three hundred bucks, and it's Ray Bans. Come on, I mean, this is this is this is one of the areas they're going to, right? There was a VR game that actually came out. It was called is called Player Twenty Two, right? So this was invented by soccer players, older soccer players who kept getting concussions. It was invented for them, right? What was happening is they're realizing the way they were bending and the way they were moving was allowing that ball to hit them in the wrong way, and it was causing more concussions later on in life, and you would get dementia. So they came up with this VR game called Player... Oh, you froze. Hold on. They came up with a VR game called Player 22, and then what? And it's meant to help you um, work on your stances and how you header the ball and your reactions and... And help you become a better soccer player in that regard, and have better angles so that you have less damage to your neck and head and spine. And this thing, they actually, uh, I have actually demoed this, right? So I've demoed this game. It's a cool game. You get in there, you can start moving around. I can sort of see how this really, if you play it all the time, uh, a couple days a week, every single week, you're eventually going to change how you move, right? Mm hmm. But you got to put some time into it. It's a fun game. I liked it. It was a good app. I enjoyed it. It was great. I don't personally, I did not personally buy it and download it from my system, but I have played this. So this is this is where this is one of the aspects of where virtual reality is going. You know, they're they're taking it and they're utilizing it. They're starting to really make something of it. And this is what I'm talking about here. And just Player Twenty Two is an example of that. The Ray-Ban lenses are, you know, are examples of that. The Microsoft and the HoloLens headsets are examples of that. There's all these examples of real-life applications for virtual reality. 
thoughts? Yeah, for sure. I, for sure. But you don't think it's going to be, you don't think it's driven by 5G? Because I think people need 5G to be able to experience the, uh, the best aspects of this. I, well, here, here's why. You're going to need a Wi-Fi or a hotspot for most of the stuff or, you know, Internet plugged into mm-hmm. something in order for these virtual reality headsets and systems to, to work for the in the meantime. 5G would definitely help with the, the, the smart glasses mm-hmm. type thing. That's where 5G will come in because it will power your phone that provides a hotspot or so on and so forth. But I, 5G, it, these systems don't really run off 5G, man. Really? Now, maybe you can have, like, Verizon's come out with your 5G home Wi-Fi hotspot where it says you can have home Wi-Fi using a uh, our 5G system, and that's from Verizon. So, I mean, that could be where 5G is coming into effect. Well, my, my problem, I, I was looking for a telecom here in the United States that has a competitive mode, and I just don't see one. Um, that's why I picked SK Telecom in South Korea because they're the largest there. They've got the largest customer base in South Korea, and, and they've got a competitive moat in that country. Um, here, we were just talking about this before uh, the show. Forty. This is an unbelievable stat. I read it from uh, Bloomberg's Business Week. 42 million Americans currently do not have access to broadband internet at all and then over, I think it was over 100 million that don't have it was 120 million actually that don't have access to high speed internet so I think there's there's going to be a push to get internet to these rural areas and I know a lot of people are saying well they're poorer communities and and so on but that doesn't mean that you don't want them as your customers you know so as we continue to move into this metaverse and, 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 and the higher speed internet is driving this change, there's a lot of money in making sure that everybody has access to it. Or most people at least have access. A larger majority of people have access to it. And, you know, we were talking about this too. It takes a lot of money to roll out these fi optics cables to these rural neighborhoods that don't have... Um, access to wi-fi right now and that are that are uh more isolated maybe in the mountains of appalachia but starlink and these sites or these uh these um satellite internet companies might be benefiting pretty soon especially from this new infrastructure bill which i don't think the government needs to get involved in this i think there's enough financial incentive to push the uh to to innovate and figure out ways to get more people um wi-fi but it could be a benefit beneficiary of the of the infrastructure bill and and I think the metaverse and all this stuff is the future. Including including so, VR and augmented reality. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I agree with you and I understand it. And once again the private sector has come to save the day. We don't need to wait for a government help on, on any of this stuff. Starlink from Tesla is is jumping in. It's already thrown up the satellites. They're already building the, the whole system out there. That's gonna have he wants to make it free internet for everyone in the world. Just completely Crazy. free internet for everyone in the world. Apple already has satellites up there that they're going to use to, you know, go ahead and get text messages and, and phone calls without needing a Verizon, T-Mobile, or any other plan. So then, you know, they're getting rid of all of them as well. So 
the private sector, the tech companies are seeing that there's this need. They're seeing that there's a consumer base there and they're solving the problem on their own. Mm -hmm. It goes back to like, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever read the book Freakonomics, the first one, the very first one that came out. But uh, there was this huge thing about horse manure around the turn of the century or uh, before the turn of the century about the cities. They said the world's going to explode because of all this mounds and piles of horse manure in the cities. Just you go around the street corner and this is like a pile as high as a building, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to make the whole world explode from all the methane gas buildup and everything. And guess what happened, man? People invented cars and we solved the problem. You know, people are inventive and the private sector can solve these problems if we allow them to. And they, they are. And Starlink from Tesla, I love Elon Musk because he is actually trying to solve problems. Hyperloop, right? He's out there trying to create fast travel between cities at extremely fast speed and at the cost that he can actually provide for uh, people to go back and forth. You go to San Francisco to L.A. in an hour. Who doesn't want to do that? You don't need flights anymore. Thus, you cut down on pollution. Thus, you cut down on climate change. Yeah. Fix that problem. Yeah. You know what so, he does Starlink? He goes up there. People are complaining about no broadband access. Ooh, to Elon Musk has solved that problem too. Yeah. He's providing internet access to everyone. Earth's getting so, overpopulated. What's he going to do? He's colonizing Mars. He solved that problem again. This guy is solving problems right and left for the world, and everybody gives him a hard time. So it's, you know, 140 years ago, Karl Marx was theorizing that the late-stage late, late stage capitalism would bring about revolution, a communist-style revolution because of starving uh Starving workers and and um, I don't think they were talking about climate change back then, but pollution and, and and environmental degradation and all that stuff. Instead, what's happening in late state capital uh, capitalism is that we've we've now got enough capital, we've got enough leisure to be able to focus on world problems like climate change and like um, pollution and uh, you know getting internet out to the poorest of the poor and such and. I mean, and we should be so we should be working yeah, to solve those problems. You can't blame. I don't think you can't blame Karl Marx for theorizing these things back when um, you know capitalism, like life, was pretty tough back then, right? It was, it was a really tough time to be alive, and now we're working forty hours a week and we complain about it. But most of that, you know, people talk about the unions and all that. But most of that is because we've created so much capital and we have so much production in the world because of capitalism, because of free markets. Now we have the time and we have the energy and we have the resources to focus on other things other than just products being sold to the consumer. So I don't, I don't want to go. I know I, I, I took this off on a political tangent. I don't want to go off on a political tangent. I want to be this about stocks and investments. The, the private sector, we need to be focused on these things like climate change. Yes, I'm all yes. for it. I'm all e, for it. ESG, no, no. ESG is right. everywhere in every good company's earnings report, and I love it. And you you got to focus on, on corporate responsibility and the fact that we can even do that and still be like profitable and the fact that the most profitable and most uh, – well-recognized companies are focusing on things like this. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. Yes, it is. It is a great thing, and I'm all for that. However, I want to bring this back and how do you invest in all this VR, augmented reality, and where do you go from this? I mean, yes, Tesla's obviously a long-term buy. Long-term, guys, that's the key word with them right now. Um, it's just too much volatility going on in the markets. They're still tying it to auto sales, and Tesla's so much bigger than auto sales. But I, I here's here's my place and here's how I look at this. You could do what I do and start looking into being a metaverse investor in land, which is a very high risk, 
very, very high risk because it could not pan out whatsoever. But if it does pan out, there's a very, very, very high reward. So very high risk, very high reward. Do you want to go in that? Not everybody has the technical know-how to go in that. Probably not the best play to recommend for everybody, right? Not yet. So what do you- <laughs> Not yet. And I do, I envision a documentary about this 10 years from now. Well, people were selling this land that really wasn't worth anything. But, you know, it could also play out that, like, maybe it does wind up being something that everybody, you know, winds up wanting. I do think on some level, I mean, I'd love to have my own private VR retreat. Right. You know, and, uh, who knows, man? Who knows? Right now, it's very cheap, so it doesn't cost a whole lot to do it. Uh, That's good. But neither did Bitcoin back in the day when it was less than a dollar of Bitcoin. So, yeah. Well, I remember. I remember before you. the dot com bubble, though. Like the before the dot com bubble burst. I mean, dot coms were trading like real estate, like yeah. crazy. And Tulip you can still buy and sell dot coms, right? But it it's not as they're not as valuable as they once were, but there's still a huge place in the world for them. So just because I'm saying something could be a bubble in the future doesn't mean that it won't be around in 20 years. It just means there that you, you have go. to be careful. That's right. My tangent, I guess. My rant. That, that is your tangent. <laughs> um, so my plays on this guys is Facebook, Nvidia, and Qualcomm. Um, you obviously know where Perfect. I'm going with Nvidia. Nvidia makes all the chips for all these VRs. You need a Nvidia chip. It's in every, all these things I just mentioned, all the billions of dollars that Microsoft's doing, all the billions of dollars that Oculus is doing, all the billions of dollars that Sony is doing, NVIDIA's chip is in there. Where does yeah. AMD and Micron, those two companies, where do they play out in this? Dude, uh, they don't have a lot of chips in these systems. They have some. They have some pieces in there, but they're, they're not like NVIDIA. Like okay. You need a NVIDIA graphics chip in order to run these systems so you can see what you need to see. Yeah. So people really, you really need to dive into these things like Dave has done. I mean, you can't just be like, oh, there's a chip shortage. So I'm going to go and which one should I buy? Oh, I'm going to buy Micron. You know, you should really look in. There's so many different details as to what these chips are used for and different kinds of chips and all that stuff. And so NVIDIA, I think also is, is best positioned right now. As well, yeah, to, to make a play off this market, and then Qualcomm because of the Qualcomm Broadcom merger that happened what a year ago, or a little over a year ago now, I think. But I mean, Qualcomm is positioned well; they're in every phone, they're they're in everywhere, uh, and now because of the like you said, the five G and the connectivity, you need the Qualcomm to connect these sets together, and the Nvidia to show the display of what you're looking at, right? And so these are the two big chip makers that are in, in almost every single one of these. VR8 uh, headsets, and that's that's where I'd be looking at a play in that would be you know definitely that. I mean, I, I've I don't know. I've I've recommended the video now for since we started yeah. this. I think that was one they're, of my first. They're in the PlayStation Five. They're in it's the new. They're in the new generation consoles too, right? Yeah, yeah. They're in everything, dude. Their chips are in everything. They're they're a monster company. You just wait until supply of these consoles clears up. Who knows when it's going to be, but when it happens, sales are going to take off. Dude, I mean, look, if you're looking to get anything for Christmas, man, I would recommend buying in the next couple months uh, because FedEx is saying they're running a 60% staffing. UPS is around the same. Nobody has staffing. They've had to reroute packages and trailers full of, of uh, packages to other hubs because they just can't take the flow at certain hubs and 
there, there's already a backlog, and we haven't even hit we haven't even hit the holiday season. It's crazy. Yet. So I mean, like, if you're going to order something online, I mean, your cutoff date's really a lot sooner mm-hmm. than you realize. So I, you know, I definitely start looking at it. They, they, there's not enough trucks. There's not enough carriers. I, I could tell you there, there's just a shortage all around in our supply chain right now, and that's not a good thing, guys. That's not a good thing for us, either as a consumer or as a country. <laughs> it's not a good thing at all. You know what's weird? I what I mean, this whole labor shortage thing, you would think that the travel industry would be hit the hardest by this. 20% of Delta's workforce retired early during the COVID pandemic. Yet they, he said that he just put out, like, the, the CEO of Delta, um, they went to hire, I think it was 1,000 um, uh, 1, um, pilots. And I think they said, you think he said he got like 35,000 applicants for it. So they're, they're, they're opening, they have, they have, um, job openings and stuff, but they're getting more people applying than they can fill. Whereas a lot of other industries, not so much. I wonder if it's because the airline industry was depressed for so long because of COVID. There were so many flight attendants and pilots out of work. Now they're all coming back. I don't know, but. I think it's a combination of that and the fact that that's a, a higher-paying job. Yeah, that's true. And so people will will be willing to put in for that. If they have the experience and the right certifications, they'll put in well, for those type of positions. Honestly, I don't know about the pay for, for pilots. It used to be pretty low. Um, I haven't checked into that lately. I know that was one of... Do you remember that airplane that landed on... Um, the river in New York City. Hudson. On yes. the Hudson River. Tom Hanks played that pilot in the movie. Yeah, I think he was making like $24,000 a year. No. No. Or maybe I'm remember, remembering it wrong. You're, you we'll are remembering it wrong. Okay. No, because of that, I'm going to look up this because I'm done with VR unless you have something to add to it. No, no VR, but we, we can talk about a little bit more about inflation. We'll go a little bit more deep into that than what we have in the past. Go ahead, um, take it away. Because... You saw the one the the ten year yield rose and it hit one point five over the weekend for the first time in a long time. And the last time this happened, I was telling you it was an overreaction to the upside. The ten year yields would come back down. I wound up being right. Um, and I think this time, I think this time, the upward pressure on bond rates for the next year is probably going to stay. Um, it's hard It's hard to really judge it. It's hard to really predict the future, obviously, but I think it's going to be a, 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 a recurring theme. Go ahead, Dave. All right, so before we, we get into this, I have some things about this interest rates for you as well, but before we, we get into this, I want to give you the update on according to salary.com. Okay. The average airline pilot in the United States, according to salary.com, as of August 27, 2021, was $140,000. Ooh, okay. I was way off. Well, maybe 21 years ago in 2000 or whenever no, it was. No, when the, Who knows? No, I don't know. No, no, no. I, fine. I stand corrected. Jeez. Thank you. I was wrong, Dave. Look at that. <laughs> he admits it on air. <laughs> He's going to edit that out before this gets published. <laughs> I never said anything. 
Okay. So we've been reaching for value stocks because, you know, if, if inflation picks up, if it winds up not being a transitory thing, me and Dave don't think it's so transitory. And if it winds up not being so, so transitory, then value stocks are going to outperform the rest of the S&P 500. That's just how... That's what history has shown us, at least. So we've been looking for value, right? At least I have. Um, and I've been reaching. I talked about Instar. I've been reaching out for companies like Jefferies. But it turns out there's one company that's been right in front of me this whole time. I talked about it earlier uh, in our episode, like probably about 10 or 15 episodes. I don't know. We've done like a thousand of these things now, and I'm so proud of us. But... The, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, it is ran by the father of, well, not the father, the father was Benjamin Graham, but one of the fathers of value investing, right? So I'm going to share with you some insights about how to look into stocks that can sustain high inflation. Most of this comes from Warren Buffett himself. And you need to look for businesses that generate lots of cash rather than businesses that spend a lot of cash. Now, buying a stock of a business that is sitting on a mountain of cash may seem counterintuitive because inflation deteriorates the value of that mountain of cash, right? But it's better than buying a stock of a business that is operating on thin margins and continuously has to spend to keep up with competitors because those margins will deteriorate quickly with high inflation. And it's also better than businesses that have to focus on buying competitors in order to maintain a competitive advantage because those businesses that they are buying, they're likely going to be buying for top dollar. I'm not condemning conglomerates when I talk about this. If the conglomerate is focused on buying businesses that generate healthy profit margins and buying them for a good discount, then they can still have a solid competitive moat. Berkshire Hathaway is one of those businesses. It's currently trading at a PE low, lower than seven, and I haven't seen that in a long time. So I think Berkshire Hathaway is going to outperform with higher rates. The reason is that Berkshire's banks will benefit as interest rates rise, as will insurance businesses. Now, it's pretty obvious, and we've talked about why banks benefit with rising interest rates, but I don't think we've talked about insurance companies that much, okay? Insurance companies also benefit from rising interest rates. Also, they haven't been on fire lately. Their stocks, stock uh, prices haven't been on fire as much as banks. Insurance firms have a continuous inflow of cash that isn't paid out right away in claims, and they use that cash to invest in safe, liquid investments like high-quality short-term debt, which will pay out higher interest rates as bond yields rise. So Berkshire's got the banks, they've got the insurance business. As, in, uh, as, as interest rates rise, the uh, Federal Reserve starts to taper, the Federal Reserve starts to ro- uh, raise their uh, key interest rates. Then, bank, uh, then Berkshire's banks and insurance will also benefit from that too. Now, if inflation is transitory and rates do not rise meaningfully, Berkshire still owns stocks like Apple and Amazon that benefit from low interest rates. So there's a floor there, right? If you go and you buy J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley or Wells Fargo or any one of those banks and interest rates don't continuously start to rise meaningfully, then those stocks are going to take a giant hit. Berkshire will not take that kind of hit because they've got businesses that benefit both ways.
that's what I got on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm with you on this. At Berkshire Hathaway, great buy. They they continually go up over time, no matter what. I mean, he he's positioned that company to be very 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 well. My my mm-hmm. only concern is, you know, as every every year nowadays, we all talk about is this the year Warren Buffett retires or quits or sadly passes um, because he's getting to be around that age. And Charlie Munger is also. So, I mean, it's not going to be him who takes it over. So you don't know who is actually going to be the one to jump in there and lead Berkshire Hathaway going forward. And that's why that's where the hesitancy is. That's why Berkshire Hathaway is a PE of seven. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not higher is because people have a reluctancy to get in right now. I believe. Yeah, and you might be right, but I think that those fears um, will at some point be, I wouldn't say invalidated, but um, massaged a little bit. Because I think there's no way right now that, I, I would be very, very surprised if there's not somebody or at least a group of people even, that Warren Buffett hasn't um, coached into taking over the role, that you know, that he hasn't mentored. There's going to be somebody that follows in his footsteps. I think he's going to make sure of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. He's probably already set up a successor and everything and, and the successors to them and so on and so forth. And, and his company right now is positioned well in, the, in their holdings. They have, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're very well. They're in you know, a lot of banks. As we're reading off the list yeah. before the show, they're in a lot of banks. So, uh, you know, they, I believe they're positioned well for rising interest rates, and it's not going to hurt them. They do. He doesn't like to keep too much cash on hand, but he likes to keep some cash on hand yeah. to make purchases. He prefers to have it invested because he believes it's going to actually do more for the stockholder if you actually grow the money rather than just let it sit there. I understand that. So he doesn't keep too much cash on hand. He keeps enough to make purchases and that's it. Yep. So, and, uh, and, you know, they're in healthcare. They've got AbbVie. They've got Johnson & Johnson. Uh, General Motors are, yeah, they're they're very diversified. Um, I think it's better than buying Spy personally. but Right. I mean, the, I, if you look at the chart, it goes from bottom left to top right. Yep. It's a perfect chart, man. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Return on equity is about twenty four percent. Really? Yep. Year over year. Yep. Matt, I did not know that. I didn't know that is news to me. Yeah. So they beat the S and P. Yeah. Right now, like their gro- I mean. gross profit margins a little bit, um, a little bit low. It's, it's. I think if I remember correctly, gross profit margin clocks in around twenty two percent. But they've got so many brand names with so many competitive moats that. That's okay with me. Right. So, you know, they're, they're doing 20, let's say 25%. I mean, that's great, man. That's yeah. like five weeks of what I do. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. 5% a week, guys. 5% <laughs> a week. I'm going to get a shirt that says that and give it away online. Get your 5% a week shirt. I'll buy it. All right. Uh, Brandon, I don't have anything else. Do you want to go ahead and the final thoughts? You take us away? Oh, that's all I got, really. I mean, just, you know, you can, I'm going to, I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to plug this article again. Go to chinchillapicking.com. 
read the how to invest in a stock article. Really, how you're investing in high inflation should be how you're investing at all points in time. Um, when it comes to individual stocks, not necessarily commodities and such like that, but, but when it comes to individual stocks, you're looking for that gross margin of above 40% on individual companies, return on equity above 15%, and so on. You're really looking for a competitive mode. These are things that you could just buy and you can just hold, whether it's a high inflation environment or not. Also, I want to mention this. With the prospect of high inflation, we've already got high inflation. So the prospect of continuous high inflation, there might be a lot of people going out there to chase gold prices. I don't want you chasing that either. And the reason is, is because gold prices react mostly to the change of the rate of inflation. So that initial jump in inflation, gold prices will go higher with that. But if inflation's just like, stay you know if it's more stable but if it's just rising periodically then gold doesn't really follow it so much so you can you can buy gold at value too you don't have to rush to buy in it at high high prices you can wait for it to come back down nice there you go all right guys uh, final thoughts uh, from me is you know I like this sector of VR and a growing sector. There's opportunities to make some money off of it. Um, there's opportunities for uh, all kinds of things to happen. Some are very, very high risk. Some are not very high risk. But take a look into it. Look at different sectors. Try to find the little uh, corners that nobody else has gotten into yet and see if that's right for you. Do your research, guys. Follow us at, at ChinchillaPicking on Instagram. DM us anytime you have a question. As always, we've hope we've been entertaining, educational, uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.